0: Hey, tonight we are starting a new series um, on spiritual disciplines. Everybody's favorite D word, discipline, right? There's that old word, that's that word that we don't really like, but we know that we need it, but we don't really like it. Um, <laughs> so we're going to be talking over the next couple of weeks about uh, things that are generally considered to be spiritual disciplines. Um, we're going to cover things like prayer and fasting, and evangelism and service and some different things uh, like that over the coming weeks. And, uh, uh, you know, part of my goal, you know, some of the stuff we talk about here and there sometimes. And and I think one of the things I, you know, want to do, at least tonight, um, is really take a practical look. Like, let's not talk about things in theory. Let's not talk about philosophy. But let's talk about the practice of it in our lives. Because uh, tonight we're talking about scripture reading or scripture intake, which I'm going to explain that phrase um, here in a minute. Um, and so I want to get really practical, you know, what, it, what does this really look like in our life and what are some ways that we can really make this happen um, as far as disciplines go and having a good healthy spiritual life. Um, I, I use the word intake, scripture intake, as opposed to simply scripture reading because it implies that we're not just going through the act of reading the book right? Just like we would read um, any other book or a magazine or a newspaper to get educated or for entertainment. Um, hopefully when we're coming to the Bible, we want more than just education and we want more than just entertainment. Um, we want God to speak to us and to change our lives. And so that's kind of what I like this this um, word intake, scripture intake. We're not just reading it, we're taking it in. Um, This phrase is not mine. It's found in a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney, um, I'll use that book as a reference several times as, as you know, at least I go through the, the parts that I'm doing of this series. Um, it's a good book. It's easy to read. So if you're searching for a new book or if you want an additional resource as we go through this series, um, you can check it out. But um, anyway, Scripture intake, again, the idea that we're not just reading some words on a page. We're not just trying to get edu- educated about what Jesus taught or about uh, what life was like in the ancient Near East or about the Roman world, we're reading the Bible, or at least we should be reading the Bible, because it's God's Word to us, and God speaks to us, and God transforms our lives um, when we read it and apply it, right? And so we've done some previous sermons and some series and teachings and things like that about the Bible, um, we know that the Bible's true. We know that the Bible has been preserved for us to to read from the time it was written to the time it is now. We know that it's better documented than any other ancient book. Um, we know that it is it's the standard by which we evaluate um, all kinds of different things in our lives. Right? If we feel like, man, I really feel like God told me to do this. What's one of the first things we have to do? We have to check and make sure it lines up with the Word. Right? Because God's not going to contradict Himself. Uh, and sometimes you know even with really great intentions sometimes we come up with really crazy things um whether that's you know the devil or whether that's just our flesh or whatever we got to make sure that things that you know god speaks to us or even the things that we might say to others you know i really feel like god told me to tell you this well <laughs> does it line up with the teachings of the bible uh and so we've talked about those things we know that the bible contains the good news of jesus we know that it contains instructions for our daily living um we've covered those things, um, a little bit more in depth in Sunday school, a few months ago we did uh, really detailed on how to actually read the Bible, um, dig into it, and a lot of you are part of that class. Um, I have some resources I can give you if you're not or if you want more information. Um, anyways, all I'm trying to get at tonight is that we've done a lot of, of the talking about you know the Bible over the last couple of years, and what I really wanted to do tonight with this is really, let's get really practical in our lives about what this book means to us and how we should be reading it, especially in terms of, you know, we're talking about disciplines, we're talking about being disciplined in reading it, um, and and the ways that we can use it to grow closer to God in the way that, uh, you know, if we dig into it, that God can transform our lives. Um, So I hope, you know, tonight you'll find some practical things. Um, Even if some of the things we talk about, you're like, oh yeah, I got that covered. Maybe you know somebody that doesn't. Maybe you know somebody that struggles with reading their Bible or struggles with understanding their Bible and things like that. So maybe it's stuff that you can pass on um, to them. Basically, I want to look at methods of Scripture intake tonight. Uh, Some different methods of it. Uh, I think there's primary methods and then there's secondary methods um, of scripture intake. And I think all of them have value and all of them have, pl- have a place in our spiritual lives. Uh, and so we'll look at all of those. Um, the two primary ones that I'm going to start with, uh, primary methods for scripture intake are hearing the word and reading the word. Those are the two primary things that happen um, on a very regular basis with all of us, um, hearing the word and reading the scriptures. Because again, we're, we're taking this in, right? We're not just reading it, um, but we're taking it in and we're letting it transform our lives. And so uh, the two primary methods of intake are hearing the scriptures and reading the scriptures. The easiest and most, most basic method of scripture intake is hearing God's word. Hearing God's word. Uh, and I think, you know, this is really considered a discipline. You might think, well, that's not really all that disciplined if I'm just listening to somebody else. Uh, but it is a discipline because if we, don't, if we don't commit ourselves to regularly hear God's word, then we'll only hear it accidentally. Uh, it's just like anything else, right? If we don't make it a priority in our life, then the only exposure that we'll have to it is either by accident, like we're having a conversation with somebody and somebody happens to quote, a Bible verse, and so that's hearing the Word, um, or we might hear it on, like, a special occasion, like at a special service or, you know, holiday or things like that. There's all kinds of people that only hear God's Word on special occasions, like Easter and Christmas. (laughs) Um, There's a few Scripture references that can help us with our understanding of this. Um, Luke chapter 11, verse number 28 Jesus is speaking, and he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, okay? Um, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, of course, we could say, I mean, think about this. Picture Jesus. Picture all the people that follow Jesus. Try to put yourself in the mindset of somebody that's living, um, you know, around the time of Jesus, uh, and you might think, well, but people didn't have copies of the Bible sitting around at home on their bookshelf like we have now. So their only method was to hear it, right? They didn't have the option to read it. Their only method was to hear it. Uh, And that's true, but I think there's still value for us today in actually hearing um, the Bible, hearing God's Word. People may not have had copies of the Bible sitting at home when Jesus was speaking, but I think he's given us some important insight into hearing God's word. Jesus traveled all over Israel teaching and preaching the word of God, and uh, through that teaching and preaching and, and the signs and wonders that were done along with it, multitudes of people believed in him, right? Tons of people believed in Jesus because he went around speaking the word of God, and people heard it and responded to what Jesus was saying. And we see the same idea in other scriptures as well. In Acts 14, 21, um, it says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. And so Paul and Barnabas have been traveling, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news uh, of Jesus. They didn't have the New Testament, although Paul was very, very educated in the Old Testament. So Paul had some scripture in his mind, um, And they were going around spreading the good news of Jesus. They were telling people about Jesus. And they didn't, I like the way this this verse, you know, says it. Um, It says that they they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. So in other words, these people didn't just hear them speak and say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. And then they pray a prayer and that's it. These people dedicated their lives. They became followers of Jesus. They became disciples who who really dedicated their lives to service um, to, to the Lord, to, to living for God. And one more in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 5. Uh, it says, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And so again, we have the idea of hearing, uh, being brought in, faith in Jesus, transformed life. Paul's instructing the, the believers in Galatia that their salvation doesn't come through works, right? We talked about that a little bit in Sunday School on Sunday. Paul, Paul Salvation doesn't come through uh, works. It comes from the gospel. It comes from the good news of Jesus. And this they learned because somebody told them, and they listened to it, and they heard it, and then they were able to respond in faith. Uh, and so I think there's something unique and powerful about hearing the Word of God um, proclaimed in a preaching or a teaching. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a pastor and that's part of my job, to preach and teach, and I want everybody to listen. Uh, so maybe, <laughs> you know, you could say I'm biased, I guess, but I think it's scriptural, too. Throughout the New Testament, we see communities of people being turned into communities of believers because people went and spoke to them. They turned from, from these cities and these communities... Um, with false gods and, and with all of the corruption of the culture, and they turned into communities of believers, people that were actively following Jesus because somebody went and spoke the word of God to them, and they heard and they responded uh, in faith. And, and I think, you know, we see it all throughout the, the New Testament, and I think that the the idea of us proclaiming the gospel, of us speaking the gospel to people, of us telling people about the truth of Scripture... Wasn't just for the early church. I think it's for the church today. I do. I think it's for the church today. And and so we think about that and say, okay, well, how do we hear God's word today? If we're talking about this as a primary method of taking in scripture, how do we hear God's word? Well, we might happen to hear about it and and intake scripture that way. If we're talking to somebody, like I said, we're having a conversation. Somebody's talking about. Uh, you know, Bible verses. I've had that happen. I've had like a conversation with somebody, and they'll be like, Well, you know, in, in this book, in this chapter, it says this. And I'm like, Really? I've read the Bible a whole bunch of times. Like, I don't remember that. <laughs> um, there's a lot to have to remember. And so that's, that pours into me because I'm like, Oh, that's good. And I'll have to go, and I'll look it up, and I'll read it, and I'll study it. And it becomes you know, a method of intake for me. Um, we can get it from somebody sharing a testimony. We can get it when we turn on the TV or the Internet. But really, the, the best way for us to intake Scripture through hearing the Word is to be a committed member of a local church, where we're in church, where we get to hear the gospel being presented, where we get to hear... Um, about the kingdom of heaven, where we get to hear about all the teachings of Jesus and all the things that God says in his word, um, whether that's in a sermon or a teaching or whatever it is, um, it's one of the best ways for us to take scripture, being a part of, of a local church. And here's the cool thing about that, not to get too far into the church thing, because we're talking about scripture, but when we come to church and we hear the word of God, we're not hearing the word of God in isolation, we're hearing it corporately with everybody. And so God can not only work in our hearts through the hearing of it, but he works in the hearts of our our church body or our church community which ultimately will lead to God speaking to and the word going forth in the outside community and culture. So it's very important that that you know, we're dedicated to hearing the Word of God through preaching, teaching, proclamation, whatever. And I'm not even saying that it has to all come from um, just pastors or just teachers or whatever. You can even take a step in having responsibility in this and telling others what the Word of God says, um, especially those that, that aren't believers. I mean, how else do, do they know? I, I love that passage in Romans. I don't know the reference, and I can't quote it, but, huh? Romans 10, where he says, how can, how can they... Believe if they haven't heard, and how can they hear unless somebody tells them, right? Um, and so we can we can have both the um, the the idea that we are hearing the word, or we can also be the voice so that other people can hear the word um, as well. So that's one of the primary methods of of scripture intake. The second one is reading the scriptures. Um, And so I'll I'll go through reading the scriptures, we'll have some discussion, and then I'll hit the secondary ones. This is the second primary way, I think, that we intake scripture, reading the Bible, reading the words. Um, You know what, with the access, I'm just going to be honest, with the access that we have in our world and in our culture to the Bible, with the availability that we have, um, there's really no reason that Christians shouldn't be reading the Bible, there's, there's really not. There's really not an excuse. For for Christians in other parts of the world, their access to Bibles or to Bibles that are translated in their native language uh, can be limited, and, and maybe you know, that's all the more reason for us to get involved with supporting missions, efforts that help increase access to the Bible. But really for us, there's no reason for us not to read the Bible regularly. There's no excuse. There's really no, nothing that, that holds up. There's no reason to not... Uh, read it. And so I want to tackle a few of the most common phrases that I hear. Um, Sometimes they can be excuses. Sometimes they can just be said, uh, you know, maybe not so much as an excuse, but just by somebody who really hasn't thought it through. Um, And so even if you have a great devotional life, you know, I've struggled with some of these things before that I'm going to say um maybe you have to and you can relate, even if your scripture reading and, and that aspect of your devotional life is perfect right now. Um my guess would be that you probably know people that could benefit from hearing some of these things. So take it and and tell them. Um number one is this, I don't have time. How many times have you heard that? I just don't have time to read the Bible. I got so many other things going on, I just don't have time to read it. Um can I just be really brutally honest and just say that this really shows either a lack of desire or laziness? I don't know how else to say it. Um, with the access that we have, again, I have an app on my phone that I can get the Bible in 30 different translations, 30 plus translations right on my phone. And I know very few people anymore that don't have a smartphone or at least a computer, um, You know, one of the two, because you can do the same thing on your computer. Um, So even if somebody's like, oh, I don't have a Bible, or I just have this old Bible that was my parents or my grandparents, or it's been in my family for years, and I don't really understand it because it's old language, there's so much access to our word, there's really no reason to not read it. But anyways, um, (laughs) I say that there's no reason because we've consistently proved over and over again that we'll make time for the things that we really want to do. We'll make time to watch our favorite TV show. We'll make time to surf the internet all day. We'll make time to, to take our kids to this practice and that practice and that practice and this game. They're playing four or five different sports. We'll make time to work overtime at our job, um, but we won't take time or won't make time to read God's Word. We'll make time for the things that we care about, for the things that we value. And so if you're saying that you don't have time to read the Word... Do you really even want to read the word? Is it something that you value? Because if you really want to do it, um, you'll make time to do it. I think about, I heard a story once about, um, there was this kid, must have been a teenager, that was learning how to play uh, trumpet in band. Wanted to be a really great trumpet player, like jazz music, all that kind of stuff. Went to a concert of this famous jazz musician and was just amazed at how well he played. And after the show, um, you know, he's, the, the kid goes up to the guy and is like, I want to play trumpet just like you someday. And the guy was like, no, you don't. <laughs> and, and as they had their conversation, the idea came that, well, if you really wanted to do it, you'd probably be practicing right now. Um, you know, you'll make time for the things that you value and for the things that you want to do. That's why it's called discipline, Right? Um, we have to discipline ourselves to do it. We have to initially make time in our schedules to read the Bible because if we don't, it's not going to happen automatically, right? Have you ever heard like reading by osmosis? You just like put the Bible on your face and just hope you absorb it? It doesn't work like that. You have to make time to read it. So in the, in the uh, idea of being practical, here's some practical suggestions for you. Uh, if you struggle with finding time or if somebody else um, struggles with it, Uh, practical suggestions to help you find the time. Number one, schedule your Bible reading just like you would schedule any other appointment. Uh, You know, when you have a doctor's appointment, what do you do? You get the little card from the doctor and what, you hang it on the fridge, right? Or something like that, or you put it in your phone or you write it on your calendar. It's scheduled so that you don't forget and you don't make other plans. Um, Schedule your, your scripture reading time just like you would schedule anything else. Um, that way it's on your calendar, it's on your planner, and that w- it, it helps me when I, e- even if it's think not the Bible, like there are certain things that I just don't want to do, sometimes that you just have to do um, in life, and I realize that if I like write it down and I say, okay, this day I'm going to do this, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it, and I'll either put it in my to-do list or I'll put it in my calendar or something. I'm a lot more likely to do it if I've planned to do it on a certain day or at a certain time than if I just think, well, I'll just get to it someday. So we have to be intentional about scheduling it. Um, Second thing is this: to try to keep it the same time every day because after so many weeks, it will develop into a habit. And after three or four or five weeks go by um, and then you miss a day, you're like, oh, wait, something's wrong. I missed something today because you got used to doing it. Um, second, or third one is, don't get discouraged by the size of the Bible. Um, you know, my, my Bible here, this one's pretty thin. Um, it has just about 600 pages. That's pretty big, and it's, it's really small print. Um, you probably have Bibles that are over 1,000 pages. Um, I do, too. I've, I don't think I've ever read a 1,000-page book, <laughs> like all in one sitting. So don't get discouraged by the size of it. Take it a little bit at a time. Don't sit down and think, man, it's such a big book. Take it a little bit at a time. And, and this ties in with the fourth point uh, is this that read in manageable chunks, not too much for one sitting. Um, so don't sit down and say, oh, I'm going to read through the whole New Testament in one sitting because you're probably not going to do it. Um, you're probably not even going to do it if you sit down and say, I'm going to read through the whole book of John in one sitting. Probably not going to happen. Uh, read it in manageable chunks. That, uh, that'll make it easier for you to, to read. Uh, the second phrase that I hear a lot is this, I don't understand the Bible. I just don't understand the Bible. Uh, and I hear this one a lot, and I'm the first one to, to admit it's hard to read something you don't understand. Um, I have a book on my bookshelf, that I've had for a few years, and I know that if I read it, it would be a really good book, but I can't get past chapter two, because the author is so much above my thinking level (laughs) that it's so hard for me to read it, and it takes so much time. So I understand it's hard to read things that you don't understand. Um, It's hard for me to read parts of the Bible sometimes. It's hard for me to go through Leviticus and read some of the stuff that's in Leviticus, Um, it's hard for me to read some of the stuff that's in the prophets in the Old Testament because I don't immediately understand it when I first read it. And I'll read it and I'll go, I don't even know what that means. God, I don't know what this means. Um, And so saying that we don't, you know, understand the Bible, that can be a fair statement. But it shouldn't be used as an excuse to not read the Bible um, because we have so many great resources at our disposal. Uh, so I have a few practical tips if you, are, if you are somebody else that's like, hey, I don't understand the Bible. Um, first of all, get a good translation that you can understand. There are over 30, probably over 40 or 50 if you really tallied it up, um, English translations of the Bible. And sometimes people will ask me, um, what's the best translation? And I have some thoughts, uh, you know, usually they're asking me what's the most accurate translation, and I have some thoughts on that. But really, if we want to get down to what the best translation is, it's not about the one that's most accurate to the Greek and the Hebrew. Um, You could have an actual Greek or Hebrew Bible and know how to read it, Um, but it won't do you any good if you don't read it. So the best translation of the Bible is the one that you're actually going to read, it's the one that you're actually going to stick with and read. Because you can have the most accurate version, and if it's just sitting on a shelf, it's not doing you any good. So you've got to find a translation that you can uh, understand. I can give tips on that if you you want. Um, secondly, is this a good study Bible goes a long ways. So I don't know if you guys have study Bibles or not. I have a couple of them uh, in different translations. A study Bible is basically... The Bible on the top half of the page and then the second half is like a little description, and explanation of what's going on in the verses that are right above it. Um, and it can be super helpful if you don't understand. A lot of times at the beginning of the book, they even have a description of what's going on in the world, what's going on in history. How does this book fit into history and the whole scope of the rest of the Bible? Um, a good study Bible can go a long way. Thirdly, um, there's other resources like dictionaries, commentaries, or even Bible atlases that can help, especially in the Old Testament, because you'll, you'll run into a lot of town names, and you'll be like, well, this person went from this town to this town, and then they went from here to here, and then they went from here to here. Unless you have something to kind of help you, it can be a little confusing. Um, so you can even check those out. And uh, lastly is talk to, talk to a mature believer about passages that you don't understand, uh, if you've been reading through it and you're like, man, I just really don't understand this, talk to somebody that you look up to. Talk to somebody that you respect. Um, if they're really a mature believer in Christ, they're not going to criticize you because you don't understand. They're going to walk alongside you and help you um, get to the bottom of the passage. Uh, and then the third phrase that I hear is this, I don't know where to start. Um, I don't know where to start. For most people, the best approach to reading the Bible is not to start in Genesis and go all the way through to Revelation. Um, it's just not. We read other books like that, but I've seen for most people that's just not the best approach. The reason is is because they get into Genesis is usually okay, but then they start getting into Exodus, and then for sure by the time they hit Leviticus, which is all of the laws, like the Old Testament Moses laws, by the time they get to Leviticus, they're done. They're just like, I just don't, I don't got it. Like, I don't understand it. Um, and so a lot of times it's not the best approach. Um, my suggestion is to find a good reading plan, Um, one that maps out different passages of Scripture to read every day. Um, Sometimes they cover the whole Bible. Sometimes they cover specific books. Uh, And it's kind of like the Bible translations in that the best reading plan is not the one that takes you through the Bible in a year. Not necessarily. It's not necessarily the one that's trendy at the time. It's not necessarily the one that, uh, that a pastor uses or that somebody else uses. It's the one that works best for you. Uh, it's the one that works best for you, and I have personal experience with this. When I was in college, um, we had a a guy come in to chapel, and this is really, like, I've, I have always kind of read the Bible. I was having a hard time, like, getting into the habit of doing it, like, more than once or twice a week, um, getting into the everyday thing, and I bought a devotional book that kind of walked me through it and gave some thoughts, but I didn't really like it. And uh, so I was struggling with this as, as a freshman in college. So we had this pastor come in in chapel, um, Jim Bradford, who's now one of the executive officers for the AG. Um, anyway, he came in, and he's talking in this sermon, um, really great sermon. I actually still remember it, but as part of it, um, that's a long time ago to remember a sermon still, <laughs> um, As part of it, he was talking about his personal reading plan and what he does. And this is what he does, or at least what he did. He would read two chapters from the Old Testament, uh, a chapter from the book of Psalms, a chapter from Proverbs, which aligns with the day, because there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, so you can kind of align it with the day of the month. He would read from one chapter from the Gospels and Acts, and then read two chapters from the rest of the New Testament. If you're not counting, that's seven chapters. And I thought, man, this guy's awesome. Like, he's preaching great sermons. He pastors a big church. This must be the way to go. I can't read seven chapters of the Bible a day, at least not and really understand it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I tried it for a while because I was like, sweet, this is awesome. This guy's got it down. This is what I'm going to do. Didn't work for me. Works great for him, doesn't work for me. So you've got to find what works for you. And then I don't have another phrase, but I do have a tip um, For you, just real quick, here's what I do when I sit down to read the Bible. Um, I sit down and read, I do read uh, from the Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time, Um, and and I'll do, I kind of like modified some things, so I read one chapter from the Old Testament, I do one from Psalms and Proverbs together, and then I do one from the New Testament. So I do three chapters when I do it. And here's how I do it, I will sit down even before I start to read it, and I'll say, God, Show me something in here that I can think about for the rest of the day. Somewhere in here, in what I'm reading, um, you know, speak to me. Give me something that that will stick with me through uh, the rest of the day. And so then I'll start and I'll read a chapter. And when I get done with it, I'll stop and I'll think about it quickly. Um, you know, and as I go through the chapter, I'm quickly. I'm not digging out my commentaries and things, but I'm quickly thinking about the historical setting and what's going on in the world and what the context is like, and that helps me to apply the lesson. Uh, the more you do it, the quicker that will come. Um, and I'll, so I'll think about it, I'll maybe say a quick prayer, and then I'll move on to the next chapter. And it takes me, depends on the day and the length of the chapter and how long I spend thinking about it, it only takes me 10 to 20 minutes to do it. Um, that's, that's less than a show on TV, time-wise, you know, to do it, and, and so I'll just, you know, and God's faithful. I mean, there's always something for me to learn. It doesn't matter where I'm at. Um, you know, I'm reading in First Samuel uh, right now and in uh, John in, in the New Testament, and there's always something Somewhere for me to to learn something that God wants to speak to me, um, so anyway, those are primary methods of scripture intake, hearing the word and reading the word and I have just a few um, additional methods that we won 't spend a whole lot of time on, um, but there are other ways that we we take in the word and interact with with the scripture okay well we 'll move on to the the secondary or additional methods um, i 've got four of these they 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 really go, I don't know, to separate them out and say that they're different than what we already talked about. I don't know if they're different. Maybe they're just additional, too. They're different ways to think about it. Like I said, different ways to interact with Scripture um, that help us with, with our intake. Um, the first one is this, studying God's Word. And I'm going to make a difference between reading and studying. Um, because we can go through and we can read, and that's what I do on on a regular basis, um, whereas the deep study, I don't do that every day. I do it a few days a week. I don't deep study every day. Um, and, and here's what the study looks like. Um, I've, I've covered some of this before, so I won't go into, into huge detail. I have some resources if you want, um, but here's, here's the basic idea of the studying for me, is that When I'm reading through on my regular reading and I'm like, oh, man, that's good. I need to, you know, it's almost like God speaks to me, like, you need to study this more. You need to to let this sink in a little more. You need to go a little bit deeper with this. Um, And so at that point, at some point during the week, um, or, you know, obviously I do it when I'm preparing lessons or sermons or whatever. Uh, But at some point during that week, I'll break out, like I said, some of the resources we mentioned earlier, the study Bible, the commentaries, the dictionaries. Um, I'll bust those things out to help me better understand a passage. I'll go through and I will look at as much of the historical setting of the passage as I possibly can to understand what's going on in the world, because that makes a difference on how we interpret it and apply it to our life. What was going on at the time of Jesus? What was going on in the Old Testament? Um, trying to read it through the eyes of the people that it was originally written to, right? Trying to read it through the eyes of an Israelite or the eyes of somebody in the, in the early church. Um, I'll pick out some of the literary details in it. What am I reading? Am I reading poetry? Am I reading, um, you know, a story? Am I reading like, like the, the letters of Paul that are like instructional um, written to to people, are there dialogues happening? Are there repeated words? Um, you know things like it. Just for an example, if you're going through and you're reading some of the things Jesus says, he says, "Truly, truly." Right? That's important that he says, "Truly, truly." It means pay attention to this. But on a quick read, those are the types of things that we could miss, you know, or skip over, and and maybe not think are important. Uh, sometimes you'll have a word that's repeated. Um, several times, like sometimes if you're reading through the stuff that Paul writes, you'll see the word faith um, written, or like hearing, uh, or it, you know, in Romans 10, that word is in there several times. It's important to take note that it's in there several times, because it's in there for a reason, uh, and it's in there for you to, to think about. Uh, and so I'll go through, and I'll study all those things, and then I'll try to determine, um, you know, what the lesson for the original audience was, and then that helps me translate it into uh, the modern world, and you know what the the timeless lesson is that god is is speaking that is like a deep study of the scripture uh, and that 's i think see i wouldn 't say it's a it 's an additional method of intake i guess but or uh, you know it's it 's a different way of interacting with it right um really digging into it and really seeing what's what 's um, what sometimes i 'll even print out depending on what it is i 'll print out um you know from my computer. I'll I'll copy and paste it and then I'll go through and I'll, like, space it out, like, have two or three lines in between, like, the, pa- you know, each line of the passage. And I'll print it out and I'll go through and I'll be, like, highlighting stuff and, like, circling things in different colors. And, you know, when you really want to dig into it, and really want to understand it, that is the studying aspect of it. And I think there's great value for everybody to, to do that, not just pastors or teachers. You don't have to go into as much detail as I do, but when you're reading through and you're like, man, that's really good, um, take some time to do these things. Take some time to bust out your study Bible. Look at what the context is. Look at what's happening in the world. Look at what the, the explanations underneath say because that gives you a better under, an even better understanding of what God is saying to you um, through it. So there's studying. Um, secondly is this, memorizing God's Word. Memorizing God's Word. This is, um, this is one of those things that I like and I don't like. Because when, th- when I think about memorizing Scripture, I think about being back in like elementary school and middle school because I went to a Christian school, and so every week we had a new Bible verse to memorize. Uh, and by the time I got to high school, like I know my senior year, we memorized all of Romans chapter 12. Um, I can't quote the whole chapter anymore. Uh, but you know what I can do? I can do the first two verses, <laughs> which is pretty good. Um, it's good to know. A lot of times, even those ones that I memorized as kids, I—if you were to just ask me right now, I couldn't tell you. But if you started it, I could finish it. Um, memorizing God's Word, and I think this is something that's overlooked for us because we think I just—I just saw a quote just today, which I thought was really cool, talking about um, temptation. Um, it's important for us to memorize Scripture, you know, when we're in facing temptation, because knowing Scripture helps us overcome temptation. But, but the thing was that, you know, we have, we've gotten to the point that we feel like, well, we have a Bible in our house or we have access to our Bible on our phone. So in our moment of temptation, we can just get the Bible and read it. <laughs> but, which I guess we could do, but in the moment of temptation, are you really going to go and say, well, where's my Bible? I, there's a verse on this. Let me find my Bible and let me read it. Let me pull out my phone and see if I can find a verse. You're not going to do that. But if you haven't memorized, if it's in your head, when that moment of temptation comes, you're going to say, no, I'm not going to give in to this temptation. And then you're going to give a scripture reference. Jesus even set the example for us uh, in the wilderness, right? Satan comes and is tempting him. And what happens? Satan tempts him three times. And what happens every time? Jesus responds with the scripture. And I'm sure that Jesus didn't have a scroll that he pulled out to say, well, let me find that verse and read it in here. It was in his head jesus knew it in his head um you know so and jesus was was fully it's one of the things jesus was fully god but he was fully human too right so i don't know what his memorization was like you know for scripture but um he knew god's word and uh, you know some practical thoughts on memorizing god's word i think it's important for us i think it's something we should do um you don't have to start with a whole chapter start small start small start with john three sixteen. if you don't know john three sixteen. I memorized it in the good old King Jimmy when I was a kid. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, all those iths, believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Um, start small. Start with small verses. When you're going through your daily reading and you find a verse and you're like, man, that's good, memorize that verse. Take Even if it's a passage, start small. Start a verse at a time. Um, In in preparing for this, I read a story about a guy who, um, I I believe he was a new Christian, and over the course of like three years, he was able to memorize over a thousand scriptures. Uh, You know how he did it? He was a truck driver, and so when he was driving his truck, he would pick a verse like every day, and that was his verse for the day, and he would memorize it. Um, I don't have that kind of memory that, uh, you know... I I could be good for maybe a couple weeks, but then I'd be like, what was that I did on day three? I don't remember what I did on day three. Um, But, you know, it's kind of like that finding the thing that works for you. But I think it's important, memorizing God's word. um, Gets it, again, talking about interacting, gets it out of here and gets it in here. Gets it in our mind, gets it in our hearts. Um, Thirdly is meditating on God's word. And here's what I mean. Sometimes we think about meditating, we think about the whole, like, um, you know, the whole weird Eastern... Meditating thing, uh, meditating on God's word simply means this: thinking deeply about it, or thinking continuously about it. We get that idea of continuous prayer, right? That's in the scriptures, right? Pray continually. Uh, this idea of meditating on God's word is is very similar, and actually, it's so crazy how it ties into the praying continuously. Um, when you read the verse in in the morning or in the evening or whenever you do it, um, when, when you when you read it. Um, and if it really spoke to you, you know, think about it all day long. And you can even ask God, like when you're saying, God, give me something for today, like let something stick out to me, speak to me today. Uh, if you do it in the morning, you're you're more likely to be thinking about it all day, meditating on it, allowing God to speak to you. Because sometimes when I meditate on God's word, when there's something that I'm really thinking about, I'm thinking about it for a day or sometimes two days or three days, um, you know, after a while, it's, it's like it, almost like two things happen. Like It becomes more real to me. I, I don't know how to best phrase that. Um, I see it applying to my life so much more when I'm meditating about it and I'm constantly thinking about it instead of just reading it once uh, and then I'm done. And also, I think God continues to speak to me about it. So God can speak to you when you read it, uh, but as you continue to think on it and meditate on it, God continues to speak to you and give you life, and give you things uh, through it. And then the last one is this, um, is praying through the Word. And that was already kind of mentioned, praying through the Word, praying through the Scriptures. Um, you know, there's obviously the easy places to start are the places where there's a prayer, <laughs> right? And we do that sometimes. Um, a good example of that is, is um, the Lord's Prayer, right? We go through it, and that's a Scripture. Man, we pray through that. Um, but we can do it with other things, too. We can do it with the narrative stories. We can do it with the instruction. And the idea behind it is that we're reading Scripture, and in each part of it, as we're reading it, we're like praying it for ourselves, right? So if we were reading through, just for example, say, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Um, as you're reading through that, praying through it and saying, okay, God, here's here's where i'm at this is what's going on in my life the first thing here the fruit of the spirit is love god i need more love in my life i need to be more loving towards others or i need to open myself up to your love in a greater way we kind of pray through like that you know love joy god help me to be joyful and and you know in my salvation joyful in you joyful in my dealings with other people uh love joy peace right uh, and on down the list. So you can do it with all kinds of different things, praying through the Scripture. The only thing that we have to be careful about, and, and this is, you know, not that we do this all the time, but we just have to be careful, is that we have to be careful with some of the promises that are made in Scripture, because God, God made a lot of promises in Scripture, and a lot of them apply to us, but a lot of them don't. And let me give you an example. If you were going through and you were reading Genesis 12 or Genesis 15, God makes some promises to Abraham, He says, I'm going to give you descendants that outnumber the stars. I'm going to give you a land to live in. And, and of course, uh, the third promise was that the Savior is going to come from your descendants. God made three promises to Abraham. But you can't go through there and say, okay, God, you promised Abraham land. So, God, I'm praying for this land or I'm praying for this house or whatever. Because maybe God didn't promise that to you. (laughs) You know what I mean? So we have to be a little bit careful when we deal with some of those things. Um, now, there are other promises you know obviously that uh, that certainly applied to the original audience and continue to um, to apply to us but uh, praying through the scripture, praying through god 's word so we 've got um, again different ways that we interact with it by studying god 's word by memorizing god 's word by meditating on god 's word, and by praying through god 's word so those are ways the additional methods of intake additional additional ways that we interact. Um, next to the primary methods of hearing God's Word and reading God's Word. So, that's where we're at. Um, hopefully those helped in, in you know, a, a practical way for you, not just talking about things in theory, but talking about things in practice. All right, well, we'll have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll dismiss. Father, we're so thankful for your Word. Um, Lord, I'm just, just so thankful that... Uh, that we have the scriptures, that we can read it, uh, and Lord, that you speak to us through it. Pray that you'd help us all as we think about um, this idea of spiritual disciplines and reading the word in our lives and how we get it into our hearts and our minds and how we interact with it, um, how you speak to us through it. God, I pray that you'd help us uh, to, first of all, never lose our hunger for um, for reading and for allowing you to speak to us through uh, the truth of the scripture. Um, pray that that hunger would increase in all of us, God, that we would have a greater desire to uh, read and hear and study your word, a greater desire to uh, um, allow it to soak into our lives, God, so that uh, you're speaking to us, God, and our lives are being changed. And I pray that you'd help us as maybe we even think about um, some some new things that maybe we haven't done or things we haven't thought about for a while. Maybe it's memorizing uh, passages of scripture or maybe it's digging in deep and really studying it or meditating on it or whatever it is, God, that you uh, ha- have spoken to us and revealed to us. God, I pray that you give us the the, uh, the strength to be able to do what you, you've laid before us. Um, God, that you'd help us to be able to set aside the time to do it, that you'd give us again the hunger to do it, and that you'd help us, God, um, in our understanding, that you would help us to hear your voice as you are speaking to us, and uh, Lord, that as the scripture continues to get into our hearts and our lives, that you would continue to change us and transform us to reflect Jesus, to reflect the values of your kingdom, and uh, God, that we can be an even greater witness to uh, those who don't know you. God, we love you, and we thank you so much, and we ask this in your name. Amen.